Oh, there I am. Hello. Oh, good morning. We doing well this morning? All right, two of us. Sweet. Good. It's going to be a great morning. All right, well, my name is Ray, and I'm campus pastor here, serving alongside you at New City, and uh, man, excited that you're here with us this morning. Uh, a couple things to just kind of add on to what Amanda was sharing with you earlier, all right? So the first one is this, that party at the peeps house, or party at our house, okay? The idea behind that is this. Number one, community for us just as a body of believers, okay? But the second thing is this, is that you have somebody maybe in your life that won't, like if you invite them, they probably won't come to church, right? But if you say, hey, I got a group of folks at this, at these weird people's house that maybe you'll come, like oddly enough, they'll come, right? And so if you have somebody like in your life that you think maybe would come to them, excuse me, good grief, I don't know what that was. All right, if, if you have somebody in your life that you could maybe invite to that, Okay, and they could come be a part of that first, right? And then get to know some people and know, hey, we're actually not that weird or, you know, we might be kind of fun to hang out with. And then maybe you could add that and say, hey, we'd like to invite you to church, you see? And so there's intention behind it. So we're going to be doing two of those in the month of May. So we're going to be doing one on the 10th, okay? And then one on like Memorial Day Monday for those of you who are here and not at the lake or something like that, okay? But again, it has intention behind it. Number one, build community with us as a body, but number two, like to give you a safe place, if you will, to invite somebody to come in and to join that. Okay? Does that sound good? All right, so that's the plan there with that. Then the second thing is this Uh, we've been talking about this green to gold leadership thing coming down the the pipes, right? This cohort. And so I want to encourage you, like if you want to raise your capacity, okay, your leadership capacity, this is going to be a great opportunity for you to do that. And so it's all online. Okay. You'll be working online. And then once a month, we will be getting together as a Merriam community, Merriam cohort, and we'll be walking through the stuff that you're walking through. You're like, okay, great. That sounds like a lot of work. It is a little bit of work. Okay, it's going to take about two hours a week for you to do that stuff. But again, it's all online and all kind of at your own pace. But this is an awesome opportunity for you to grow your leadership. Okay, now there's a couple things with that. You say, well, okay, leadership in the church, leadership where? Leadership anywhere. Like that's what it offers you, okay, is this opportunity to grow your leadership anywhere. So in your workplace or maybe, yeah, here in the church and the opportunities there, okay? And so out of that, here's our plan and our hope, is that down the pipe, we're a church that plants churches, right? And so we end up having this other church plant that we want to plant. We've already got our people back here in the bullpen to go, hey, we want you to go step out and to help lead and start this church, okay? Does that sound good? And so that's kind of the possibilities there with that leadership thing, all right? So let's dive in now this morning. Um, I'll jump off my my announcement soapbox. All right. So here's the deal. Uh, last week we took kind of a step away or a step out of our believe series. And we talked about the importance of the resurrection. Now, however you look at that, okay, the hinge, the linchpin, the most important element, however you want to label it, right? The resurrection is a very vital element to this whole thing that we do right here. Okay, and so we spent the whole Sunday speaking of that. But here's the thing. I don't want you to get here today and go, okay, we talked about the resurrection last week. No, no. Like we're going to build on that today. Okay, so as we're talking about giving up self, basically total surrender, the reason we do that is because of what Christ did in his resurrection and on the cross. Right? And so that's why we even 
begin to think about surrendering anything for this God, okay, is because of what he has done for us. So, as you were reading through your Believe book this past week, okay, and here's the thing, I want to encourage you, like, I've, I've heard it said this way, like, the hardest part of a book is the middle, right? Yes, it is. But hey, guess what? We're in the middle of the book. And you're like, you know what? I have the book, but I'm so far behind. I don't know if I can catch up. Hey, here's, I'm going to give you a cheat. Okay. Jump to chapter 16, which is next week and just start back. Okay. Just start back. Don't worry about catching up because we've been talking about it on Sunday, but jump back into chapter 16. All right. If you haven't bought the book, buy the book. Like, that's a great thing for you to do. Those are going to be available after the service, okay? I feel like I'm on a soapbox, so I'll step off, all right? But as we were reading through this past week, okay, we saw this idea of total surrender in our lives, right? Surrendering it all. Now, I I was reading and studying for this this past week, and I heard this kind of this funny story, okay? So I'm going to share it with you, all right? So there's this super religious man, and he, he goes to church, and he loves Jesus and all these things, and he thinks, you know what? I need to get a statue of Jesus Christ for my house. And so he goes, and he purchases this statue, and he brings it in, and he sets it in the middle of the coffee table in the living room, all right? Now, his wife was not too fond of this particular statue. It Apparently, it wasn't a great-looking statue. Okay, so when he comes out of the room, she picks it up and walks it into his office and just sets it on the shelf. All right? And he goes, no, 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 no. This has to be at a place of prominence. Like, this is a statue of Jesus. And she's like, it is, but it, it's kind of it's hideous, if I can say that. Like, you know. And he goes, no, no, no. Uh, we're going to put it back out here. So he brings it out in the kitchen, and he sets it on the, on the shelf there in the kitchen. She's like, that's not where it's going to stay. So he leaves for work, and she takes it and puts it back in his office. He's like, no, 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 this has got to be in a prominent place when he comes back from work. So he brings it and he sets it on the mantle, right? And she's like, not having it, right? She's done. But all of that is happening, right? And their little four-year-old son is watching this happen. And he finally says, do you not know what to do with God? Right? Because they're moving him around so much. But that's a pretty profound question from this little four-year-old looking at Jesus and them not knowing what to do with him. Right? Like, what do we do with him? And sometimes I think we sit in that same place of going, man, what do I do with God? Or, man, I really want to do something with God, but I just don't know how to do that. Right? And so when we talk about this idea of total surrender, man, you may say, I, you know, I'm okay giving X, Y, and Z to God, but I'm not quite sure that I want to give him A, B, and C. Right? Like, I'm okay with surrendering all of this part of my life to God, but I'm not sure so much about these areas. But look here, when he's asking about total surrender, total means all, right? It means everything. So this past week, you were reading through your book. And you maybe came across this statement, which is kind of our, our, our question, this key question, okay? How do I cultivate a life of sacrificial purposes? How do I cultivate a life? Now, I think about the garden that we're trying to get going in our backyard, and we've kind of cultivated the soil. Like we've prepped it. We've readied it. We've prepared it. We're getting ready to plant something in it. So how do I then begin to prepare my life, cultivate a life of sacrificial purposes? Now, basically, how do I give up my life for the sake of God's purposes? 
and what he desires, okay? And so our, our kind of key statement this week was, I dedicate my life to God's purposes. Right, okay, that's a great statement, but how, how do I do that? Right? How do I fully dedicate my life to God's purposes? And so this morning, I want to kind of give you maybe a few uh, helps, if you will, in that, okay? So here's where we're going to begin, all right? So we can dedicate ourselves to God's purposes when we know who our God is and what he desires from us. Okay, let me say that again. We know who our God is and what he desires from us. Now, we use this language a lot at New City that Jesus is Lord, right? This idea that Jesus is Lord over all areas of my life. Again, not just X, Y, and Z. Okay, Jesus is Lord, but I've got the rest of my life over here that Jesus is not Lord. In fact, I am Lord over those areas. But when we say Jesus is Lord, we're saying all of my life, every part of it, and all the time. Right? So not just on Sunday morning when you come in here, okay, Jesus is Lord of my life. And then Monday you go, done with that. You go through the six days and then you get back to Sunday and you go, all right, Jesus is Lord of my life this morning. No, it's every area of our life all the time. Okay? Now you say, okay, that's, that's cool. That's great. But that's really hard. I'm going to be honest with you this morning. Yes, it is Hard. It is always hard to sacrifice something. It is always hard to surrender something. And here we have God asking us for total surrender. But maybe it's a little bit easier when we know who our God is and what he desires from us. Okay? So this morning we're going to look at this story in the book of Daniel about these three men who know who their God is and what his desires are for them. And that begins to kind of put these borders or these uh, lanes, if you will, for them of what they are going to surrender, okay? And so if you read in the, your chapter this past week, we read it, you read it, Daniel chapter 3, okay? And so we're going to kind of set the context this morning by just reading through the majority of the story, okay? So if you didn't read it this week, guess what? You're about to, okay? So... Here we go in chapter 3, verse 1. Okay? King Nebuchadnezzar, as my grandpa used to call him, right? King Nebuchadnezzar. That's not it. All right? It's King Nebuchadnezzar. All right? He made a gold statue 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. And he set it up on the plain of Dura uh, in the province of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to assemble the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to attend the dedication of the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the prefects, the governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces assembled for the dedication of the statue the king had set up. And then they stood before the statue Nebuchadnezzar had set up. I think they're there. They're there where he set it up. Okay? So, a herald loudly proclaimed, People of every nation and language, you are commanded. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, uh, harp, drum, or every, every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. 
Therefore, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, or any other kind of music, people of every nation and language fell down and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now, some Chaldeans took the occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. You as a king have issued this decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music must fall down and worship the gold statue. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. Man, they got it spot on, right? There are some Jews you have appointed to manage the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these men have ignored you, the king. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Then in a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to, build, excuse me, to bring in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar asked him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I have set up? Now, if you're, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, or every kind of music, fall down and worship the statue I have made. But if you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Now, here's the thing. Pause. He's got this down, doesn't he? Like, this is what you need to do. This is the instruction. And you see, it doesn't change. But okay, so we pick up. And who is the God who can rescue you from my, catch that, my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than was customary. And he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So these men in their trousers, robes, head coverings, and other clothes were tied up and then thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Since the king's command was so urgent and the furnace extremely hot, the raging flames killed these men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Now, if you read it this past week, or maybe you even know this story from being in church, right? They go into the furnace. They're there, and old Neb, he's watching, right? He's checking it out. And he goes, wait, we only put three men in there, right? Yeah, but there's four. Well, well why is there four? And then he says, whoa, he's got, he's got the image of, of, of God. And so in that, he then commands them to come out of the fire, and they walk out, and then as they walk out, they don't smell of smoke, and nothing on them is burnt. Because the Lord is there with them in that. Now, let's go back, okay, to verse 2. Because back in verse 2, we see that old Neb, all right, we're going to call him for a little bit, his ego has gotten pretty big. And so he decides, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build a statue, and it's going to be of me. 
And this statue is going to be 90 feet tall, and it's going to be 9 feet wide. Now, to give you some reference, okay, the Statue of Liberty is 152 feet at the top of her torch. So that's similar to how big or how tall this particular image or idol of Nebuchadnezzar was, okay? And so he has erected this huge statue of himself, and he has covered it in gold. And here I am in the middle of this place. Here I am. This is me. And then what does he do in verse 2? He calls in everybody, right? He calls in everybody. What do we see? King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to assemble the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the province to attend the dedication of the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. In other words, every level, we need you there. And so they show up, and they show up on the scene. Now, here's the thing, okay? You've got all these folks, all these leaders, right? And they're all in this one place. They would have known what the law said. They would have known the expectation of God, right? They would have known that. So let me give you an example, because what they would have been following was the same law that was given to Moses, okay, in Exodus 20, that you shall have no other gods before me, right? They would have known that. But now, here's the thing. There's more to it than just that. Look, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. And you shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generations. So these leaders would have known that law. But here they stand, right? We saw it multiple times. Here they stand before this statue of old Neb. Now, they have a little caveat thrown in there, I guess, if you will. Like, if you don't bow to this, we're going to throw you in the roaster. Right? Like, that's what's going to go down. But he gives them the instruction, anytime and every time you hear music, you're going to turn and you're going to bow to this statue. Right? And so, play that out in your mind for a minute. All right? The music plays. Here's all these leaders. And everybody bows except for these three dudes. They're standing up. Now, to kind of help you frame your, your visual picture, all right? You've got this huge statue in the middle. All these people are all around it. Now, I don't know if the three are standing together or if the three are spaced out. Either way, it's awkward. Right? Because everybody heard the music, they bow, except for these three. They're still standing. Because why? Because they know what their God desires from them. Right? They know what their God desires from them. Now, I like to put myself in the story. You've heard me say this before. Like, I like to put myself in the story. And so for a minute there, put myself right next to one of them. Right? So you hear the music. You bow. You look over. Did you not hear that? Yeah, we heard it. 
Did you not hear what he said if you don't? Yeah, we heard it. You, you did? Like, you're going, to the, you're going in a fire. Yeah, we know. Awkward. Right? <laughs> Awkward. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to stay right, right here. But you've got all these leaders that know the same thing as these three. But when the music plays, what happens? They fold. Man, they fold. Because here's kind of what determines and shapes the decisions that we make, all right? One of two things. External pressures or internal principles. External pressures or internal principles. Let me frame it like this. External pressures, the world, the flesh. Internal principles, the spirit within us. The truth of God, right? And these guys are nailed in their internal principles. We serve one God, one mighty God, and that's who we will worship. Now, what does that look like for us, <laughs> right? Like, what does that look like for us? Because this is, this is of no good unless we have something that we can put into our life, right? Something that we can apply to our life. So my question is this, and it may be come off a little harsh, but do we compromise and act on eternal pressure or internal principle? Right? Like when the Lord asks you to do something, is it because of your internal principle or the external pressure that is around you. In other words, okay, let's, let's fudge that statement a little bit. Let's fudge those numbers a little bit so that I look good. Let's throw somebody else under the bus so that I get the promotion. Or is it your internal principles that drive the direction of your life and what you surrender to? Now, we can say, you know, hey, if I was put in that situation, like, I wouldn't have bowed to that. Like, that's pretty obvious. I mean, 90, 90 foot tall, right? Like, we know we're not supposed to bow. I don't think that I would have bowed to that. But here's the truth, and like, it's a hard truth, and it hit me hard this week. But here's the thing, like, daily, we ourselves bow to these idols in our life. From the external pressures that are around us. Now, the modern-day idol, okay, the modern-day idol could take on the look of this. A hobby, a house, a car, your phone, social media, your wife, your kids, your wallet, even your love of self. Like, it can come in multitudes of forms, but here's the thing. An idol is anything that we put before God himself. And so if we have these things that we're pursuing after besides God, then guess what? We have made them ultimately an idol. But what are his desires? Well, his desires are that none of those things stand between you and him because he is a jealous God who desires total surrender to him. You, you go, well, I've got some areas to work on. Hey, me too. Like, me too. I don't have it all figured out. Uh, sorry if you expected that. But all right, 
So here's the second, second kind of point this morning, okay? We can dedicate ourselves to God's purposes when we know our God cares for us, even if it costs us something, okay? So we know our God cares for us, even when it costs us something. So look at verse 8 here. Some Chaldeans took the occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse the Jews. Now, they're not talking about a huge group of Jews. They're talking about three specific Jews, now, back in chapter 2, what had happened is Daniel had interpreted a dream for old Neb, all right? And so he brought him to a place of prominence, and then he says, hey, if you have some friends that maybe you want to bring along, and he's like, well, i got some guys, right? And so he calls those three guys in to oversee the province. You be the ones that watch, Okay? You be the ones that watch. And so imagine being these other folks who now these three guys have come in and they're going to rule over you and they're basically foreigners to the land. They weren't happy, right? Like they, they had a little bit of an itch, itch to pick. Like they were, they were a little bit frustrated about that. And so they take this opportunity. Well, these guys don't bow. Well, I guess he didn't see it, but we're going to let him know, right? And look at the fluff that they bring to the king. It's like when my boys really want something, you know, and they come into the room and they're like, oh, daddy, you're the best daddy in the world. Daddy, have you lost weight? Right? Like, oh, daddy, you look so handsome. Oh, daddy, you're so great. I mean, Graham did it this morning. He was wanting donuts. And he's like, daddy, you're such a good daddy. I'm like, thanks, buddy. You just want donuts. (laughs) But look at the fluff that they bring here to the king. Okay. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Well, there's the first one. You as king have issued a decree. We want to throw that in there, that you're the king, right? You have issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, I don't think we had one of those up here today, lyre, harp, drum, or every kind of music must fall down and worship the gold statue. And whoever does not fall and worship will be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And there are some Jews that you have appointed to manage the province of Babylon. Now, we're not sure really who they are, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But that might be who it is. And these men have ignored you, the king, right? They throw it in there again. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Right? And they bring these accusations. Now, imagine for a moment, okay, go back to the moment where the music's played. Everybody bows, except for these three. Right? Like, they have made the decision. They've done it. We're gonna stand. But, he calls them in. Right? And he gives them one more opportunity. Hey, I tell you what. You know what? I, I, in fact, the band's right here. So I'll strike up the band. And if I strike up the band and you bow, like we can call this all good. Right? Like we can call it all good. And, and then he kind of has this moment here where his brain just slips, doesn't it? And he says, and who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Now, just a little bit of... A little bit ago at the end of chapter two, like he is saying to Daniel after he's interpreted the dream, look, your God is indeed God of all gods and Lord of kings and revealer of mysteries since you were able to reveal this mystery. Like he is admonishing God as this awesome God, but now he's sitting over here going, who's this God that's going to get you through this? Like, who's that going to be? How's that going to work? But then their response right? Like they know it's going to cost something. 
I mean, we, we read it how many times, right? Over and over, the furnace of blazing fire, the furnace of blazing fire. They know what's coming down the pipe. But look at what they say. If, if the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you. Oh, and I love this little stab, this little poke. The king, right? But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. You see, they knew it was going to cost them something. But they knew that they had a God that cared for them. Right? And we see it multiple times. As you were reading through your Believe book this past week, we see it, we see it in the lives of these men. We see it in the story of Esther. And then we see it in the story of Jesus himself. Right? The surrender that Jesus has laid down. And all of these people dedicated their life to God's purposes because they knew of how God cared for them. Right? And so we have, we know our God, or excuse me, we surrender to God's purposes when we know who our God is and what his desire is for us. We know our God cares for us even when it costs us something. And the third one, we know our God's total surrender commitment to us, right? His surrender commitment to us allows us to see a picture of what true surrender looks like. Now, God the Father surrendered his son, right? He gave up his son, and then his son comes to earth, and what does he do? He gives up his life for each one of us. But here's the thing, Jesus, like as he always does, right? He gives us a beautiful picture of what surrender looks like. Jesus doesn't try to make things happen. Right? He doesn't try to make things happen. He listens to the Father and then he goes and does. He shows us the highest level of surrender. In fact, this was kind of his mantra. I can do nothing by myself but only what I see the Father doing. So we get to this point then, the Father directs him to the cross. This is where you need to go. This is what you're going to do. And he knows that, and so he goes there, and he surrenders to the desires of his Father for the freedom and restoration of each of us. And there's even this moment, right? Like his flesh, the external pressure steps in for a minute. And he says this, he says, if you are willing, take this cup from me, right? Like, ideally, I don't want to do this, but you're asking me to do it. You're asking me to surrender my life. And so then added to that, he makes the statement, yet not my will, but yours be done. Right? Like my desire is maybe not to die just yet, but father, you're asking me to do that. I'll do it. Well, God, you're asking me to lay this down. I'm not sure I want to do it. But you know what? In total surrender, in full submission to you, I'm going to do it. I'm going to lay it down because I know that you care for me. I know that you love me. And it may cost me something, but you have given me a true picture of what to follow and to see. And look. I mean, these men did it as well. In verse 17, if the God we serve exists, 
then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, right? Like, okay, here's scenario A. He rescues us, but there's also scenario B where he doesn't. But either way, we're not going to surrender and submit to you because you're not our king. (laughs) You're not the Lord of our life. God himself is, right? God ourself is. So we surrender to our God's purposes. Again, when we know who our God is and what he desires from us, we know our God cares for us even when it costs us something, and we know our God's total surrender commitment to us. And as we sang earlier, it's a promise that he will not back down from. Now again, that's great. Like we can hear that story and go, Man, way to go for them, right? But what does that look like for you in your life? Like, what is those things, those idols perhaps, that are in your life that are consuming or taking over, or maybe even the Lord is asking you, hey, you need to set this down. You need to put this aside. You need to surrender this for me. And even maybe to me. So what are those things, right? What are those things in your life? And I'm I'm not going to tell you what they are. Like, that's between you and the Lord, right? That's where this process of him working in your life begins to work out. So in the next few minutes, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that, all right? So Morgan and the band are going to come back up, and they're going to play through this song, and it's all about surrender, right? And the idea is, okay, Lord, maybe you don't know just right offhand what the Lord's asking you to surrender. Okay, spend this time going, Lord, what is it that you so desire for me to surrender? Is there anything in my life that I need to surrender to you, to give up to you? Do I need to give my wallet to you? Do I need to give my relationships to you? What do I need to give to you? What is it? All right? So, Father, we thank you so much Lord, for your word and the truth of your word. And Lord, we thank you for the love that you have for us and the fact that you care for us so much that, Lord, even when we lay something down or even when we hold on to something, you still continue to love us and care for us. Because I know, Lord, in my life, as soon as I knock one down, it seems like there's two more that maybe pop up. And so, Lord, I just pray that you will continue to help us in our daily lives, in our weekly lives, in our yearly lives to identify and to knock down those idols, Lord, so that we can have you as Lord of all areas of our life. And, Lord, that you can be over all areas of our life and that we can surrender our full life to you. promises for us. May we sit in those promises. For Lord, your promises do not fold, your promises do not shake. And in that, may we we boldly let go of whatever it is this morning you're asking us to surrender. So Lord, in these next few minutes, may you speak to us. May you show us those things. May you bring them to the forefront of our minds, for we know your desires. We have the scriptures to learn of those things, to learn of your desires for us. 
But Father, we also know that you care for us. And Lord, in that caring, it may cost, but your care far outweighs it. And Lord, the beautiful example that you give us of your son and the surrendering of his life for each and every one of us. So this morning, Lord, I pray that some things are laid down here they're not returned to. Over these next few minutes, I just feel like this is something we need to do. (laughs) Over these next few minutes, the front is going to be open up here, and there's nothing special about the front, but I think it's just an act of obedience. That if the Lord is asking you this morning to lay something down, that maybe you just take a moment and you come up here and just kneel down before him and say, Lord, I'm going to leave it right here. I want to leave it right here and I don't want to carry it out the door. I don't want to bring it into my week. I don't want to bring it into my month. But Father, I fully trust that you have the power over it And in that, I think we're going to see freedom this morning. We're going to see a burden lifted. So in these next few minutes, I just pray that you will just be honest with the Lord and maybe lay something before him today. You can come as a song as they go through.